adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! And welcome to Red to This Way. I'm your host, Paolo Mangoni, for this week. <laughs> and that was Michael Danjo. Welcome, Michael Danjo. <laughs> Thank you. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Benvenuti, ciao a tutti. Uh, next is Julian, don't call me Paju Danjo. How's everybody doing? And as always, Mr. Chris Baselli, welcome. Welcome back, everybody. And we got a jam-packed show today. Uh, as of course you can tell from the song "Shende del Pedro," when it rains, it pours for Juventus. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, enough enough chit chat. Let's get uh, to Syria Week Twenty Eight review. Uh, the week started off on Friday with Parma Genoa. Uh, Parma actually blew another lead this game, uh, with, but actually it opened up with our goal of the weekend, Michael. All right. Play allowed to continue from Daniela Doveri. Petzala again with the cross. Kuchka keeps it alive. Pale! It's acrobatic and it's found the back of the net. Graziano Pale has his first goal on his return to Parma. And he's given them the lead. They've just grown into this game and now they have something to show for it. That's, uh, of course, Pelle, who's going to be uh, the leading striker at um, the next uh, <laughs> the Euros. Is that true, Paulo? Uh, we'll see how he finishes the season, but uh, when, I hope he replaces grief. I'd rather have Pelle than grief, to be honest with you. Anyway, we'll get we'll get we'll get that that conversation later on, okay. on the show, Michael. Um, so actually, that goal almost cost us our account because uh, we received a DMCA warning from Twitter because <laughs> we tried to share it. <laughs> but of course, uh, La Mafia esiste. Thank you, Syria. Anyway, so that uh, that goal from uh, Pele was wiped out by a Scamacca double in the 50th and 69th minute. So this is uh, Parma's uh, first loss in two Serie A games. Um, Genoa's first win in their last six Serie A games. Uh, and Scamacca has four goals and one assist for this season. Uh, so the next game was on Saturday. Crotone uh, lost 3-2 to Bologna. Uh, Messias opened the scoring for... Uh, Crotone, and then Crotone doubled up the lead with a Sydney uh, PK. Uh, Bologna scored three unanswered goals in the second half. Samaro uh, scored in the 60 se- 62nd minute, Schutten in the 70th, Skolvolsen in the 84th to win 3-2. Uh, 
Crotone has one win in their last four Serie A games uh, since uh, Cersei Cosmi took over. Uh, Bologna has two straight Serie A uh, wins. And Simi has 13 goals and one assist uh, in Serie A this season. Julian, so he did break the record for most goals for a Nigerian then. Good for him. Um, I believe Bravo. so, yes. Bravo. Yeah. Right, so uh, next game on the schedule is our first uh, in-depth game. Spezia Cagliari. Um, yes, so we have Spezia looking for their first win in five, uh, playing against Cagliari, who's actually in a... I mean, when Semplici took over, they took seven of nine points, but then they've now... Uh, they lost to Juve last week. Um, a little bit of a cagey game, a little back and forth. Um, a Clavan error led to Jazzy picking up the ball and crossing it in for Piccoli, um, who headed it in to make it 1-0. Um, and then, I don't know how, but Caliti missed two sitters. First, um, Pareto got the ball, I think, literally at the penalty spot and hit it. Um, right into Zoet, who was the starting keeper for Spezia this game. And then, I think two minutes later, Del Pedro played a nice ball across for Simeone, who literally skied it. I don't know how. He was literally all alone from the penalty spot again and shot it over the net. Um, and then, sure enough, you know, when you miss a couple good chances at one end, uh, Spezia goes down and scores. Maggiore assisted from Bastoni. Maggiore actually kind of fluffed his kick and hit it into the ground, so it bounced up and over Canio and landed far post into the net. Um, now, Caliti were able to get one back through Pareto in the 83rd. Um, bit of a scrappy goal off of a corner. Landed at Rugani far post, who headed it back uh, for Pareto to hit in. And then, last kick of the game, um, Caliti thought they had a, a tie. Um, who was it? It was Jao Pedro over... Or no, Jao Pedro scored it, assisted from Simeone. Uh, they go nuts. They think they have secured the one point. But unfortunately, Simeone was offside. So, no goal. Game ends 2-1. to one. Spezia get their first win in five. And Caliti have now lost two in a row. Uh, and also, Piccoli has four goals for the season, who's on loan from Atalanta. So, uh, this leads into... Um, my first discussion topic that I want to bring up. Uh, so an updated uh, relegation race. Okay. So the teams that I've included in this race are Fiorentina, Spezia, Benevento, who are all tied at 29 points. Torino at 23 points with a, that they have a game in hand. Caliti at 22, Parma 19, Crotone 15. So who of those teams do you think are going down? We could safely say Parma and Crotone most likely have, you know, are condemned fire and a miracle with 10 games left. So I would say Crotone, yes, but Parma, I mean, they're only, what is that? Like three points, four points back. Like that's not, that's not uh, unheard of. I think they, they could, they could still swing it, but you're right. That's most likely that's the case. Okay. So Michael, to your point, Parma's next, uh, next games, are Benevento, Milan, Galeri, Juventus, Crotone, Torino, Atalanta, Lazio, Sassuolo, and Sampdoria. Yeah, that's uh, 11 winnable games, in my opinion. <laughs> Especially well, against okay, that, so Juventus, Juventus Yeah, team. that fucking shit, uh, shit team <laughs> that you just mentioned. Okay, we'll get to that later. But 
uh, again, they have three direct games against, sorry, four, Benevento, Galeri, Crotone, and Torino. So those four games could essentially decide. Yeah, yeah and again, correct. if they're playing, uh, if they're playing well, like they again, they got a win last week and uh, probably deserve a little better this week. But if they can play with a little bit more structure and some consistency, I could see it happening. I'll, yes. Yeah, go ahead. So with Cagliari, like like I've been, I've said you know a few times now. When clubs sack their manager, there is statistically, anyways, a, a positive, you know, the, a swing in results for the next five to six games, and that's usually, you know, not because the team has been better or the manager is a god. It's just because that's just kind of the the spark that a new manager brings. But I think Semplici's been with Caliri now for four or five games. I don't have the exact number, and. I mean, they won at the beginning, but they've lost two in a row now, it looks like. Um, so now, I guess, is when we'll really be able to ju- judge um, Semplici and to see if, you know, can he have a positive effect on the team or are they just going to continue playing like they did before uh, Di Francesco was sacked? So uh, they're not trending in the best direction, but neither are Torino. So I think it's a toss-up for me between who's that third team to get relegated. All right, so just for... Um... Uh, simplicity's sake, I'll list the games for Cagliari and Torino. So for Cagliari, it's Hellas Verona, Inter, Parma, Udinese, Roma, Napoli, Benevento, Fiorentina, Milan, Genoa. And then for Torino, it's Juventus, Udinese, Roma, Bologna, Napoli, Parma, Hellas Verona, Milan, Spezia, and Benevento. I mean, it sounds just quickly like Torino has the harder run of games there, but sounds like sounds like eleven like, winnable exactly. games to me. <laughs> uh, uh, Julian, your yeah. um, so I think yeah, yeah, I think it's honestly a little for Crotone. It's definitely too late for Parma, I think, as well because they have to kind of crawl out of that spot, right, and hope that the teams ahead of them also manage to lose quite a bit. Um, I'm just looking here. Fiorentina might actually be the dark horse for that final relegation spot. Um, like I'm just looking through their next batch of games. They still have to play Atalanta, Sassuolo, Verona, Juve, Lazio, Napoli. Like they have a lot of difficult games. They're going to need to kind of get as many points as they can, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're like going into the last couple match days, if they're the one who's kind of on the fringe there. Right. You have to remember, though, that uh, Fiorentina beat Juve in the first, like, 3 nothing. <laughs> now, imagine if they didn't. <laughs> 26 points. Right. Yeah, okay. Then we'll, we'll get to Juventus <laughs> later. We'll get, we'll get everyone, everyone be patient. Never. We'll get there. Um, but, uh, Chris, you want to add something, then I'll wrap it up. Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to touch on, uh, you know, we're talking about the relegation race here, and I, I find it interesting that none of us really said, you know, Spezia and Benevento are kind of in that uh, relegation race, which is interesting. I I would probably agree. I mean, just look at looking at where they are at right now, points wise, and how they've been playing recently. Um, it's just funny to, you know, if you look, if you we would have looked back, look back to the beginning of the season, none of us would have said, you know, match day twenty eight, Spezia and Benevento are safe. Right. So kudos to them for doing this well so far. Yeah, and, and to that point, just Maybe, quickly, Paulo, to that point, yeah. like, 
it's something that was we kind of saw early on too you know like we none of us expected it but they've been all season have been just battling right and kind of maintaining a good position on the table so again good for them for being able to do that consistently as well so just looking at both the schedule from both those teams, I won't list them out again because again, I don't want to <laughs> doing that. But um, they they seem to have more of the easier schedule than the rest of of the teams in that relegation race. And and again, as you said, Michael, to your point, uh, you know they could probably take points away from uh, excuse me, Spezia could probably take away points from Crotone, Bologna, Genoa. Um, Benevento can probably take points from Parma, Genoa, Udinese, uh, and Crotone, and they play Torino as well. So it's again, there's a lot of lot of games that are direct uh, relegation battles, and Spezia, Benevento are two teams that are, I say, superior in quality than Parma, Crotone, and Torino. In practice, yeah, I think the third spot's going to come down to. Torino and Cagliari, but it wouldn't surprise me if Fiorentina kind of falls in there towards the end of the season. I I uh, I tend to agree with Julian. Uh, everyone yeah, else, no, fair. Yep. Excellent. Okay, let's move on to the, our next game. Uh, well, which would would have been Inter Sassuolo, but that got postponed. Mm. So instead, let's replace it with the game that was uh, played on Wednesday which was uh, Torino uh, Sassuolo. Uh, Torino actually came back and, and, again, scored three unanswered goals in late in the second half. Zaza scored a double in the 77th minute and then won the game in the, 90, in the 92nd minute. Uh, Mandragora scored in the 80, 86th minute uh, to cancel out a Berardi first-half double. So that was Torino's first win in two Serie A games. Sassuolo has one win in their last five Serie A games. Berardi has 11 goals and four assists in Serie A this season, and Zaza has five Serie A goals this season. So next game, back to Sunday, uh, the Sunday early morning game. Hellas Verona lost 2-0 to Atalanta, Malinovsky PK in the 33rd minute, and Zapata in the 42nd minute. So Hellas Verona has lost three straight Serie A games. Atalanta has won three of their last four Serie A games. And Zapata has 10 goals and 7 assists in Serie A this season. All right, so next game is Sampdoria Torino. And your boy, Julian Antonio Candreva, scored the only goal Yay. of the game. So it's Sampdoria's first win in six Serie A games. Uh, Torino has lost three of the last four Serie A games, Chris, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Candreva has five goals and six assists this season in Serie A. Julian, that's pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Considering he went, I think, a full season at Inter without <laughs> scoring a goal. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, <laughs> All right, so next on the list is Undinese Lazio. Uh, Lazio won the game 1-0 through a Adam Marusic goal. So Undinese have won only once in the last four Serie A games. Lazio have won two straight Serie A games. And Sergei Milinkovic-Savic has six goals and eight assists this season. All right, and it's the time that everyone is <laughs> waiting for, Chris. <laughs> Are we doing um, Milan Fiorentina? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's uh, Juventus Benevento. Si. So, 
Anyway, as we all know, Juventus lost one nothing through an Adolfo Gaich goal. Literally, like, I, I watched the first half. I'm glad I didn't watch the second half because I probably would have lost my shit watching it. Um, anyway, Juventus had created absolutely nothing in the first half. There was no clear-cut chances. In the second half, it was a horrible mistake by Artur, uh, which led to a Gaich uh, scoring the only goal of the game. Ronaldo had two clear chances to tie it up, missed both. Uh, Danilo missed the sitter in front of the net. Like, it was harder to miss than to score. Chiesa was taken out inside the box by Fulon, by Fulon, who literally threw his body in front of Chiesa and took him out. I mean, clear contact. Uh, like, I, I remember I probably did that when I, in my playing days, and I, and I probably got called for a penalty, most likely. You're reckless. And yet... And yet, and yet, in a professional league with video assistant review, um, but anyway, um, my point is that regardless, even if they would have drew Benevento, it still would have been a disappointing a loss uh, result, I should say. Um, the okay, Michael, screw that. The race is over. It's done, uh, and it's only a matter of time. I, I should say that Juventus are most likely at risk of imploding this season. And now Champions League, saw, uh, think Champions League football is now at risk. Like heroes. <laughs> anyway, uh, I actually don't have much to say about this game. So I'll, I'll, I'll do all the talking then. Um, so now. Uh, today's Gazette Dello Sport. There's reports that there's infighting in the team because of the poor results so far. Uh, the, and especially, this is also compounded by the fact that the club came out and backed Pirlo. Uh, so that, again, that doesn't help. They could have said absolutely nothing, could have said we'll discuss it at the end of the season, like they did with Maurizio Sarri, might I add. Okay, uh, they they didn't back Mauricio Sarri, um, and again we're seeing the same car crash that happened last season being compounded this season because of poor results. I mean, like again, we I, we we talked about it at nauseum this season, and like the decision to sack Sarri is the catalyst for this train wreck of a season, Michael. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's the catalyst uh, by any means. I think it's just a uh, it's an event that happened. But I think the catalyst is something you you got to go further back, right? Like you got to understand that the problems that they're having now they didn't just start having when they sacked Sari. They had these before uh, that whole thing happened. It's we've talked about it ad nauseum too. Like the, the issue has been that they, they didn't build a squad worth shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they, they built a squad for, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, just aesthetics. They, they think that these players uh, on paper can compete or whatever, but there's no, uh, there's no grit. There's no, you know, actual, I think, I don't know what the word is, but there's, there's no, Juventinita, uh, right? Like, there, it doesn't exist in this squad. There's Chiellini and Bonucci who are leaving. 
Buffon's there and there's no one else that can carry a, you know, a team of, you know, that's won nine in a row uh, to glory again. That's, that's just the reality of it. Um, and again, that falls where we've talked about in the past. It falls on their management. I don't think Pirlo is to blame. I think Pirlo being a, a rookie coach was put into a shitty situation. I think we can all recognize that was always going to be the case. Um, I mean, if he obviously if he was successful, people would be lauding him like crazy. But this was always the more likely scenario. And I think that uh, I don't know. It's it just in my opinion, I don't blame Pirlo for this. It's a hundred percent on Paratici and Nedved. Yeah, well, it goes to my point saying that they're the ones that decided. Well, I think it was probably Agnelli that decided to sack uh, Maurizio Sarri because of the confrontations that they had with the players that you name, Michael Chiellini, Bonucci, Buffon. The only players that actually uh, performed under Dybala yeah. which is exactly, yeah, he was actually uh, the only one who enjoyed playing under Maurizio Sarri. And instead, you sack him. You sack Maurizio Sarri. The Bala goes to shit. He's always in. He's mm-hmm. constantly injured now. And the three players that you mentioned are finally being exposed uh, for who they frauds. are. They're, They're frauds. Damaged players. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I would say exactly. Bonucci is well, the only fraud in that group. But continue. But that's my, that's my point. Is is that they could the fact that they couldn't handle a coach in Maurizio Sarri who told them straight yeah, yeah. okay, that they had to change. They refused to listen. They overthrew their manager, got the got Agnelli Paratici to mm-hmm. fire the coach. And now, as you said, Michael, they're exposed they're exposed as yeah. Fraud. Again, this is this is a positive in my opinion because it it had to be done. There was no way that they could maintain keeping uh this type of squad beyond next season anyways. So as long as, again, take your lumps, but learn from it. Fire who you need to fire. Listen, but fire how... who you need to fire and build the squad that you need yeah. to build. Whether that's with Paratigi building okay. it or not, I think it's another question. But mm-hmm. you, you, know, mm-hmm. you know the type of player that you need. You've known for, you know, probably... You, you've seen it. You've seen them go through your club at literally in the past nine years. So take that knowledge, that inside knowledge that you have, and use it for what it's supposed to be used for and planning for the future. Okay, so you, you mentioned what I, what I want to touch on next is how does Paratici still... Yeah, again, we, we, but that's the issue, Paul, is we talked about this even like last year. We, we, we would have been talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not new. It's not new. Yeah, you're right. It's just that he he it was masked because they were they still won, you know. And again, that's probably when you should have known that something was up. When Inter was only one point behind, I think you could tell that at the end of the season last season that that was probably the culmination of their of their you know era, their run here because it's there's no more. There's you you, you can't go beyond that when you know. Finally, a shit club like Inter managed to get one point behind. <laughs> anyway, uh, b- before I before I pass it off to the Inter fan, uh, I'm glad that Inter fans are finally recognizing what uh, me and Michael have been saying the entire time is that Morata, okay, 
Scus- not Maratha, sorry. Maratha. Maratha is, exactly, is the, uh, well, I guess the it's prime that, reason. It's that, it's why, that all-seeing eye. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> 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 All right, on that note, Julian, go ahead. <laughs> um, no, and I mean, obviously when he came in, Andrew was in turmoil, right? That was the whole Icardi saga. It was a disaster. Nobody knew what was going to happen, what the right choice was. And now, obviously, look where Inter is. It was 100% the right choice. Icardi is practically a bench warmer at PSG, and Inter are running away with their first Scudetto in 10 years. So it's clearly worked. Um, And yeah, I mean, they built Inter... They had already started to build with Azulio. Um, you know, they had some pieces in place, but Morata was definitely, sorry, Morata was definitely able to come in and kind of put the final touches on everything. And that Grinta you guys are talking about, as much as we hated that Vidal signing, as much as he pissed us off in the Champions League, he is actually a player Juve could use right now. Somebody who's like, he's not what he was, and I think everybody recognizes that. Um, but just his leadership is kind of what Juve need, especially in that midfield. So I, I understand what you're saying, but I, w- I would argue that uh, getting a red card in a, uh, <laughs> a Champions League game that you need to win is not leadership. But I, I get it. They, they, but that's the type of player. I, I'm not yeah. saying I would want Vidal, but again, you need to have someone who, who will go out there and make mistakes, uh, but will take that chance because that's what's necessary you know you have to be able to take those risks to get success and and again these guys are all they're all scared to you know to do something of of importance that's the reality so uh chris before you jump in i would argue that mckinney is that player but i think he's still too young and you know again this first season syria it takes at least a full season to adapt to how uh how the game in syria is played and you know it's the same thing with 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 Vidal. You know he came in from was it Bayer Leverkusen, uh, but that that midfield back then at Juventus was outstanding, and you know he didn't really need any time to to adapt. But still, he still kind of showed um, you know some rust in that first uh, in that first season. Yes. Yeah, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked enough about Juve. I want to talk about Benevento. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, I mean, they 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 won. Fuck the yeah! The like, why are we talking about the losing I, squad? <laughs> I think uh, what's what's a, what's important to note is that not only is it Benevento, but they it's not like they were coming in in great form, right? Uh, of their last five Serie A matches, they've lost three of them, uh, and actually, the win against Juve was their last win in their sorry first win in their last five Serie A matches. So, you know. Two weeks ago, you know, without this Juve win, when we just did our discussion about who's going to get relegated, we we all would have said, yeah, Benevento are in that race. Uh, so this win against Juve is huge for them, not only in the relegation race, which is obvious, but I think just for confidence going forward. Um, we, I mean, we all saw the reaction from the players and the coaches after the win. So, um, again... The three points is obvious for helping them stay up this year, but I think that the confidence from this going forward might be able to might be enough to kind of propel them through and get to that thirty seven or thirty eight points that's needed to stay up. Okay, so have we exhausted this? I'm uh, exhausted this personally, but <laughs> I've been exhausted for about a year. 
<laughs> I think so. I just I right, take uh, some Chris, pleasure in the fact yeah. that Juve from one game went to Scudetto race to Champions League, maybe. <laughs> yes. Not even. Not even. <laughs> Again, they played Torino. They played Torino on the weekend. Uh, sorry, uh, when yeah, they come and back. then it's the Napoli game. And if they okay. lose, all things I've looked at the standings. All things remain equal. If they lose to Napoli, they are tied for fourth with Atalanta. Exactly. I mean, now, like I said in the in the preamble, now cha- uh, Champions League mm-hmm. is yeah. at risk, and I won't be surprised if Napoli and Atlanta finish third or fourth, or like three, in, four, in, you yeah. know, top top four. Yeah, three, four. So anyway, Chris, you get your wish, uh, Fiorentina Milan. Yeah. So. Good start, and Paulo, I know you want to debate the Ibra goal. Um, that was a foul, but go I ahead. I will say this. Was there, you know, contact from Ibra? Yes. I mean, that's very clear to see. He shoulder-checked him. Not one player on Fiorentina, when the goal happened, complained. After the ball was in the back of the net, not one player went running to the referee. They all just ran towards half. Yeah, because uh, they, be- goal because they don't it. play for Milan. <laughs> Who will do that all the time? I, no. And their, and their names aren't Bonucci, uh, who will also do that all the time. <laughs> but I think we've all seen it, right? Like If players have at, like even the slightest um, instinct or guess that something went wrong, where there was a handball, a foul, offside, they write the arm goes up and, and or they go running to the referee or the AR or both of them. None of that happened. So again, was there was our contact there? Absolutely, but that's nothing that you can tell me influenced the goal. Like Ibra was going to get in regardless. Ibra was going to get in regardless. The center back, if the center back thought that that push influenced the goal, and that's what stopped him from defending him, he would have complained. Like there's no defender that gets hit like that and just goes ah, nothing to it. He look at like his reaction was nothing. It just the ball went in. That was was it. Concussed. It was no, honestly, I I watched the goal again. The reason that went in was because it was a blown offside trap. There was one defender who was far right who kept deeper onside, and that was literally why the goal went in. Yes. Yeah, but but okay. So hold on. So you're you're telling me that shoulder checking a defender in the back when a there was ball wasn't even in the vicinity. There was no like fifty fifty challenge in the air. Literally. Gave him an extra step since that since the offside trap was blown to to get that ball to be pushed away the defender essentially. I think I you're th- telling I think me contact, that's not an un, that's not an unfair contact advantage? or no contact. That ball is getting through and Ibra is going to beat the center back. That's what I'm telling you. That's a loaded. I don't know. No, <laughs> I think in today's soccer as well, that center back has to go down. If he goes down, he probably gets called as bad as it is. Yeah. That that 100 I agree with. And 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 if yeah, that but, was the case, I no, I wouldn't say boo because it's not like he would have flopped. Like if you get hit and you go down, that's just that's part of playing at that level. Like we, we see it every game. I feel like. Okay. Okay. Sure. But aren't we trying to get rid of that crap in this game? No. Th- no, I, I don't think so. No, no. But I'm saying about oh, uh, if he goes down, it's a penalty. It's a, it's a foul. Yeah, but there, me, I think foul. yeah, I think what you're saying is yes, we we want to get rid of people who. Um, like I'll use like the Skriniar example, I think from last week, Julian, where he like barely got touched in the back. Yeah, and he flopped. And he does went, that and went, 
Yeah, and like Teo Hernandez does that a lot. Like I think we're trying to get rid of the players who either don't get hit or barely get hit and then go to ground. I think in this case, like there there was a lot of contact. So if he goes to ground, nobody's saying, "Oh, like fuck, stay on your feet," you know, be a man. Like there was contact. I think I, but I agreed. The the flops are what we're trying to get rid of. But isn't that the whole point of video assistant referee is to review that type of play? Because that is a foul. Clearly a foul. He shoulder checked a defender in the back without even the ball being in the vicinity. Again, you guys played with me. I've done that before in my playing days, and I've got called for a fucking foul each every single fucking time. I, I think the fact You're that the telling ball, me that's not a foul. The fact that the ball wasn't in the area helps Ibra's case because it doesn't influence the play. If the ball was coming in, and right at that moment the ball was gonna hit the defender, and then he hits him, then the ref is looking right at the play. The ball, the two players are there. He has to make the call. So. If the ball was if the ball was in the area, then that would that would obviously help Ebro. Chris, Chris, you're telling me that you're you're telling what you're telling the opposite of what it should. Be. No, I'm saying if the ball was. I'm saying if the ball was right at Ebra and the defender, and then he hits him, okay. the referee is going to make the call because that's where he's looking. When that contact happened, the referee was looking at whoever had the ball in possession for Milan. He wasn't looking at okay. the center back Perfect. and and uh, and Ebra. So my point is. That's where the video referee comes in because it was it happened uh, during a goal, you know, a goal sequence. He can come in and call the ref to go take a look. That didn't happen. That is a failure of the video assistant referee, and it wasn't the first time this weekend. Okay, are, are we? Can we? Can we move on to the other points? <laughs> Paula, if yes. you're ready to are, move on, we can move. Okay. On. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I am. I am ready to move on. Yes. Um, so yes. yeah, that that Ibra goal made it one nil, and then Pulgar made it one one off a free kick, which I will admit it was very well struck. But my what, what I was pissed off with was that Gijo seemed to still be either trying to organize the wall or he was bitching, complaining about something because he didn't seem to take his first step to dive until after the ball was hit. And when the ball is hit with that much pace from that distance, you're not going to get to it, you know, as good as he is and as tall as he is. So I think if he, if he reacts that half a second quicker, he gets there in time and he's able to get a stronger hand to the ball and knock it away. Uh, nonetheless, that makes it one, one, um, Frankenstein, Frank Ribery, he made it two one 51st minute, um, I just have to say, like, what what the fuck was his celebration? I don't know if you guys saw it, but he like, yeah, there's like it. six guys running up to trying to celebrate, and he pushes them all off, kind of, and he does this like half step. I don't know, I don't know if somebody, if there's a reference I'm missing, somebody please message us on Twitter, let us know what what he was doing. <laughs> um, anyways, I made it two one. Brahim Diaz made it two two, and then Chalonoglu made his. Uh, one good play of the month uh, with a nice finish to make it 3-2. So expect uh, three weeks of mediocrity from him <laughs> again. Uh, so good win for Milan. I'll, I'll end it off on this. Um, I was not expecting Milan to come back. I honestly, once Ribery made it 2-1, I was expecting Fiorentina to either get the next goal or for it to finish 2-1. I didn't feel like and it didn't look like Milan was kind of had it in them to come back. So it was good, good to see that and, of course, to get the three points. All right, so before the other two jump in, uh, to your point about uh, Milan coming back, so um, Dragovsky went off injured just before halftime, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so Terracino is a pile of garbage. <laughs> okay, he is, but neither goal, like, 
no, like whoever you think is the best goalkeeper in the world today, they weren't stopping any of those goals. Like the Brahim Diaz okay, one sure. was, was a tap in. And Chalunoglu's mm-hmm. goal, again, uh, I think he's It was a average. nice shot, yeah. It, it was a very nice shot. So I don't think you yeah. can blame Terracciano for those goals going in. Okay. So the reason why I said that is because um, there's a few times where he literally almost got chipped. Yes. I, now, now if yeah. one of those went in, you could say, okay, Fiorentina was at a disadvantage without Dragovsky. But the two goals that Milan did score... Dragovsky, mm-hmm. Neuer, Loris, whoever you want to say, uh, was not going to save those either. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's, okay. So here's this is my point. Uh, you know, losing Dragovsky middle of that game when it was still on a knife's edge, uh, for me, it's a psychological blow. Even though they took the lead, okay, they, they still weren't they, they weren't psychologically ready to defend that lead when they have you know a pile of garbage in uh, behind them. Okay, they 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 weren't inspired with confidence to go out there and 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 defend that lead that they that you know that they have, uh you know good goalie if they make a mistake they kind of bail them out that that wasn't there, and um, uh, so uh, anyway I'll let uh, Julian go ahead and he can comment on this game. Um, so Chris, your point about Donnarumma from what I saw on Twitter was apparently he was upset because there was a Fiorentina player in. Milan's wall, which is apparently a new rule that they can't be in the wall. Yeah, I think it, the rule is, I'm pretty sure, if it's a three-man wall or more, um, you can't be within, I think it's three meters of the wall in any direction. Okay, so, so I think that's what um, he was yelling at from what I saw on Twitter. Okay. I mean, valid, Yeah, but once the whistle goes, like, the ball's going to get struck. Like Any, any smart player is going to hit it. So at that yeah. point, it's like the whistle's gone defend it so uh he he maybe has a good point but i I think and maybe that's just his i mean he is 21 so he's gonna be a bit of a hothead but (laughs) yeah yeah um and yeah no honestly i don't have much to say it was a good comeback from milan definitely much needed win for them now they also put a little bit of space between them and third place so Mm. kept the pressure on enter a little bit as well yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not about the pressure on Inter, because I feel like, again, that's probably uh, foregone at this point. But, yeah, again, this is good for them to maintain a position in the top four, right? This is – they can't be dropping games uh, like they did last week. You know, like they can't be uh, losing to – who did they lose to last week? I think it was Na- Napoli. Napoli. Yeah, like they yeah. – you know, it's it's unfortunate that it's Napoli who – you know, a team that might catch you, but – uh, you have to be winning those games regardless. So again, yeah, they, uh, this one is one for sure that th- they need to win. And I mean, they, they almost fell into the same trap that Juve did where they just were kind of playing complacently, I guess, against Fiorentina, but uh, they managed to not pull a Juventus. <laughs> okay. Um, as you guys can tell, I'm still bothered by that goal because um, plus it was the first goal. So Milan scoring the first goal conditions that the, for the uh, conditions the rest of the game, right? Because stats show that uh, the team who scores first in the game usually wins seventy percent of the time. That is a, that is a fact. Okay, Milan scored first, so they had a seventy percent chance of winning this game. If Bar goes and takes that away, it's still zero zero, and anything can happen. Milan were the better team in the first half, so uh, sure, take away that goal. There's very good chance they score another goal after that. We'll, we'll never know. <laughs> we will never know. <laughs> All right. So the last game of the weekend, 
Roma Napoli. All right. Well, uh, this is a game where uh, Roma had literally the best opportunity that they've had um, to show that they <laughs> are not the team that we've been seeing. Uh, you know, go against a team that's that's fighting for the same position you are on the table. Um, but what ends up happening again is that Napoli just comes out with a little bit of, uh, I guess, more enthusiasm for the game, and and they they win two nothing. Uh, Merton scores a nice free kick uh, goal uh, in the twenty seventh minute, uh, and then he scores another goal in the thirty fourth. Um, and again, they they Napoli kind of not dominate, but they take a game from Roma where, you know, this is just status quo for them this season where they can't manage anything against these top seven teams. Uh, and, you know, this this specific, I mean, result uh, outside of what's happening in, in Europa League, the continuation of this is, is kind of cementing Fonseca's future, uh, it sounds like, more and more, especially with reports that we're hearing now that he's uh, likely on the outs probably for sure now um, at the end of the season. But again, it's a lot of that's still going to depend probably on what happens in Europe. Um, so they, okay. So here, here's the, okay. So they still literally still haven't won against mm-hmm. the top mm-hmm. seven teams, by the way, like that, that's confirmed. So uh, Juventus two, uh, two draw lost two nothing against Milan three, three draw lost two, one Napoli lost four, nothing and two, nothing. Atlanta lost 4-1, and they play again on April 21st. Inter, they drew 2-2, and they play again on May 12th. Uh, and then Lazio, they lost 3-0, and they play again on May 16th. So again, as you said, Michael, still haven't won against top seven. And this is probably why, uh, you know, there's reports that Allegri could come in, Maurizio Sarri. I mean, this is how about this? Uh, who who would you rather have? Would you rather keep Fonseca or bring in Allegri or uh, one of Allegri or Sari? We'll go with Chris. I mean, I I love Sadi Sadi Ball Sadismo, whatever you want to call it, from his time at Napoli. So I think anytime you offer me the option of coaches and Sadis in the list, I'm probably going to take him. Uh, I agree with that. I think uh, Allegri is is a coach that would do better at a team like Inter at this point who have a little bit more pedigree than Roma do. Um, I think Sadi would would be able to pull what he needs to pull out of those players as opposed to Allegri, so I, I'm kind of on the same boat. Julian? Yeah, I'm honestly, I kind of agree. I think Allegri's kind of, he would go to a bigger club. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know how you can continue with Fonseca at the end of this year. Now, I know he's had a rough go, and like I don't think Roma's squad is all that strong, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, there's a rift in the locker room, clearly, it seems, so I think he's got to go. But, yeah, I'd go Sadi. Paul, so, sorry, Paul, just, yeah, but, the, just about Napoli, uh, I think, I mean, it's easy to shit on, you know, Roma and, and Fonseca because of their poor form and you know, their, their record against the top seven. But for Napoli, and you know, Gattuso, with this game in hand now with Juve, I mean, if, if they win that, they can leapfrog Atalanta and jump, jump back into the top four. 
They've won four of their last five Serie A matches. As we know, last two were against mm-hmm. Roma and Milan. So mm-hmm. they're definite looking, definitely excuse me, looking very good right now. No European games to worry about. Uh, no, you know, no Coppa Italia or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think Napoli, Atalanta, Juve, Milan. That's that's going to be a very very interesting race for the top four. You know, uh, j- just a side note before uh, before we conclude here. Uh, in theory, all of our um, top seven or top six, or six uh, are, are still in play. You know, all the teams that that uh, we picked are still in flux. I mean, Julian, you picked Inter as well, right? To finish first, yeah. correct? I'd enter first. Yeah, you Chris, I think you. Yeah, I mean that could still possibly happen. Yeah. You never know. No, I know. Well, there's still ten. There's a lot of a lot My of, picks a lot of won't. To I picked you uh, to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I picked Juventus to win, Juventus to win because I'm pure bias. But anyway. Same. Um, so, I, <laughs> so just to wrap it up, because uh, then we'll talk about Fonseca and, and Europa League later on in the show. Uh, so just to wrap it up, Roma have lost two straight Serie A games for the first time this season. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's actually uh, that's yeah good. <laughs> that's not bad, but uh, it still sucks that they happen to do that now at this stage in the stat Jonah. Well, it, well, again, it's, it's uh, well, actually, so the reason why that happened is because they've been winning uh, or at least picking up points against the um, clubs in the bottom half, right? I think the, the loss against Parma was, I think, their first loss against the bottom half mm-hmm. all season. So it makes sense. Okay, so that's... Um, that's all for our Syria Week 28 review. Uh, we'll be right back with our Who Am I discussion, which we're very uh, looking forward to uh, to discuss. It's a very interesting topic. And we'll be right back. And welcome back to Red to This Way. So, Chris, uh, you know, we had our Who Am I question. Uh, would you please uh, recall for our viewers what, what, what were the questions? I didn't know we had viewers, but for the listeners, I will. Uh, <laughs> follow, loser. So from last week, <laughs> <laughs> hint number one was this player who is not Italian has less than 10 caps for his country, one that traditionally competes for a trophy at major tournaments. Hint number two, he has over 90 Serie A caps, all with the same club. Hint number three, usually playing as a wing wing back, he has over 15 goals in all competitions the past two seasons. And the answer, of course, was Robin Gosens of Atalanta. Gosens. Yeah, Gosens? Gosens, Gosens go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the uh, the person who answered correctly on Twitter was none other, none other than Syria's uh, voice in English, Patrick Kendrick. Uh, all of us would recognize his voice who does games uh, week in and week out. So thank you for um, for listening and playing along. And we do appreciate your work for bringing Syria to, uh, in English. And so he asked us to discuss who is the best player outside of the top seven. So I guess we all decided to create, you know, three or four names. Uh, so excuse me, to create a list of three or four names. This way we don't, you know, come up with some uh, variations. So we'll start off with, of course, the uh, MC of 
who am I? I don't know. Chris Baselli. All right. Well, I'm going to go. The, the first player I'm going to list is who I think all of us will have on their list. Um, I won't think of you differently if you don't have him on your list. But the first player uh, is Rodrigo DePaul. I think any club in Serie A, if he's on, you know, if he's on any, sorry, if he's on any club other than Udinese in Serie A, uh, he's starting for them. Um, he can play in a central midfield role, attacking midfield role, uh, and he could probably even be effective as a winger. Not as effective, of course, but he could do it. Um, I, th- I feel like many episodes this year, guys, we've said, you know, he's the reason Udinese are not in relegation zone, or he's the reason mm. they drew this game, or he's the reason they won that game. So, um, and the $40 million price tag, I think, will go up by the end of this season, just based on his his performances. Uh, I did also want to mention, uh, there's a, a platform, you know, and a website, uh, whoscored.com, and they kind of list player ratings, which, you know, takes a bunch of different things into account. Um, and so this particular graphic that I found, it's looking at players in all of Europe's top five leagues. And Rodrigo DePaul is sixth uh, in terms of uh, more recent performances. So I think it looks at the past two or three weeks. Um, he's sixth in all of Europe. So um, I know that's just a snapshot and you want to look at an entire season, but not only has he been good all season, but he's been exceptional as of late as well. So um, I'll, I'll say Rodrigo DePaul and then, uh, you can come back to me at the end, I guess, if there's some duplicates here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think we can all agree that Rod- Rodrigo de Paul is on our list because I, I included him as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was my number one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm assuming the next on all of our list is Domenico Barati, correct? Never yes. heard of that guy. <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Uh, so anyway, he's definitely Tosuolo's best player now. I, I think, in my opinion, cemented a spot on the Euros, which we'll get into later. But I mean, I think he's, uh, you know, I think I said has what eleven goals so far this season. So it's safe to say that Domenico Berardi, Rodrigo De Paul, uh, on the list of let's say top four best players outside of um, the top seven, correct? Yeah, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so I'll okay. How about this? I'll go. I'll name. You just went. Two... Yeah, but I'll name two other players, and then we can discuss if they merit uh, to be included in you know the list of top four best players outside of top seven. Julian, let's just get uh, out of here, man. <laughs> Michael, shut up. <laughs> um, I don't know. I honestly, those are my top two guys. So like. <laughs> Yeah. Remember, we, we decided to create a list and, you know, just in case we do have duplicates to debate who should be, you know, also included, correct? Sure, sure. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just okay. being an idiot. Being a jerk. Yeah. Um, no, no, not a jerk. <laughs> I'm not being a jerk. Okay, calm down. <laughs> no, 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 I'm uh, not so being a me... jerk, okay? <laughs> um, okay, so Roberto Siriano, I think, is having a, a, a really good season this season for uh, for Bologna, nine goals uh, so far for a midfielder has been called up to to the Italy squad for I think the last two times, uh, and for me, perennial uh, goal scorer Fabio Quagliarella. I think that's a little. Um, I think Quag for me is is probably not in the same conversation anymore. I think just because he, uh, I, I guess I understand why you included him. And he does kind of run Samp, but like I don't think 
I would include him on the same list of, yeah, like these guys are the best players outside of the top seven. Agreed. Julian? Um, yeah, no, I I kind of agree. I think Jeremy Bolga deserves a shout as well. Mm-hmm. I know he's kind of had an up and down season this year with injuries and everything. Um, but last year, I think you can argue he was just as vital as Berardi in their run. Um, so I'd like to see what what he would be able to do again fully healthy. And like Chris said, I think he's a guy who you'd be able to slot in somewhere on one of the top seven clubs, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give a good kind of flashback shout here to Ribery as well. I think the guy's still, when he gets the ball, he still looks dangerous running at people. Um, I know he's what, no, I don't know, mid-30s. And but I think he's I, I was, 36, he's still always, yeah. Yeah, he still always has that thread when he has the ball running at you. Yeah, I would say, uh, I, I would probably lean towards Ribery instead of Quag. You know what I mean? Like that's that makes more sense to me as opposed to Quag. So Paulo, you suck. <laughs> okay, well I had Ribery on my list of honorable mentions. Though. Okay, okay, good. Um uh, I I just want to make maybe yeah. I, I would argue more than honorable mention. I think Locatelli deserves just some uh part of the conversation here. I think the fact though that he was kind of run out of Milan doesn't help him, but I think he definitely again he he's shown that if we're talking about you know whether or not he's going to start at at clubs etc like I feel like he could start I mean definitely at a shit team like Juventus but I think like <laughs> I I think he could he could definitely push on uh, on a club even you know in England anywhere so I I I would I would include him too which is funny because we've mentioned what three Sassuolo players now yeah yeah. yeah. And they they happen to be eighth. So <laughs> I've got I've got one more uh, that's maybe a bit off the radar, and I'm biased because I was a defender growing up, and I think this player will be good. But it's Nikola Milenkovic, and I know mm-hmm. he is reckless sometimes, and he's careless, mm-hmm. and he makes meathead plays, but he is extremely talented, and I think in two or three years' time. He's going to be at a club that's playing Champions League football and he's going to be starting every single match and every club is going to want him. Um, kind of reminds me a bit of Skriniar, like when, when he first came to, to Serie A anyways, with how bit more reckless he was. But And obviously he's you know world-class defender, very refined now. So uh, Milenkovic is kind of a, a dark horse, dart throw player for, for this discussion. Okay, yeah, so I have a question. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, well, I have a question after Paul, if you have time. Yeah, I don't know. A time. I just wanted to mention uh, some of the players that I thought would would be you know, honor, honorable mentions. Uh, Antonin Barak from Hellas Verona. I mean, I think he's been um, Verona's most consistent player all season. Uh, Dusan Vlaovic had a bad start, but since Prendeli took over, uh, he has twelve goals this season. Uh, Julian mentioned uh, Frank Ribery. Uh, and then just to round it off, uh, you know, I guess you have to mention Belotti. I mean, he's, he is on the Italy squad. I know he has suffered uh, this season uh, just as Torino has suffered. But I guess uh, just for argument's sake, you got to mention him. Nice shit. <laughs> no, I, I like at Belotti as well. I was debating him. Um, but, yeah, no, I think he he would start on most teams as well. Michael, what's your question? So, I know again. It's it's obviously uh, an outside seven 
conversation. But if Chiesa was still at Fiorentina, would you guys include him on a list like this? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think so too. Like, okay. I think that's uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, just, just to kind of uh, cap off this conversation. So we mentioned uh, the top two are Berardi and DePaul. Out of those two, who would you choose? Let, let, let's settle the conversation right now. Who would you choose? Let's go Julian, Michael, and Chris. I'm going DePaul. Um, I do like Berardi, but he's never – I mean, he's been on Sassuolo his whole career, right? But he's kind of had a few up-and-down seasons in there. Um, but DePaul is just that – like Chris said, he's that everything midfielder. He literally makes that team tick, and if he wasn't there, they'd probably be in that relegation battle. Michael? Yeah, I'm also going to Paul. Um, similar reasons, I think, as Julian. I just think that uh, when you're looking at a squad uh, that, again, if, you're, if you need an impact player, I think he has the edge. Um, I just feel like he, he can do a lot more and uh, drag a team further. That's so that's why. Plus, he slapped Kendreva. Plus, he slapped Kendreva. So, <laughs> Chris, um, I will say, excuse me. I think Berardi is more talented and has more skill than DePaul. The issue is, um, it comes and goes. Whereas if DePaul uh, is also very talented, don't get me wrong, but he's able to do it more consistently. And he's able to make the players around him better. Whereas if Berardi's a bit more of a of a solo player, if, if that's the right word to use. So yeah, I agree with Mike and Julian. But if Berardi could find that consistency that DePaul has, I would change my answer. All right. So just to round it off, I would also take DePaul again, as for the reasons all of you mentioned. Like I think Udinese would have already been relegated, not be in the relegation. I've already been relegated without Rodrigo DePaul. Well, so at this point, yeah, at ahead. this point, though, they're not even in the relegation battle. They're yeah, well clear yeah. of it, right? And that's yeah. exactly why that, that's why they didn't sell them, yeah. <laughs> frankly. Yeah, well, I completely understand. Uh, so there you have it, Patrick Rodrigo de Paul, best player in Syria, who's outside of the top seven. So uh, with that conversation uh, over, uh, let's move on to next week's "Who Am I?" I don't know question. Take it away, Chris. All right, so hint number one. Oh. Who am I? I don't know. <laughs> I, should, I, should, I know that's coming too, and I always, every week, I jump ahead of you. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, hint number one for this week. So this player has been managed by Marco Giampaolo, Rudy Garcia, and Sinisa Mihailovic. Hint number two. This non-Italian player has been in Serie A for more than five seasons and is now with his third Serie A club. Hint number three, he is a goalkeeper who has been teammates with Costas Manolas and Federico Di Marco. All right, so those are the three hints for this week. Again, first, play, uh, first person to answer correctly on our tweet with the three hints. We'll get the chance to ask us a Serie A-related question on the next episode of Rete This Way. So with that, uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with some international break preview and to cap, uh, recap what happened during the European club competitions. So we'll be right back.
suicida Si sento fischiare sopra i tetti Un aeroplano che se ne va Take it away, Paolo. Azzurro, il pomeriggio <laughs> troppo azzurro e lungo per me. Anyway, so that was, of course, a general chill in Tano's Azzurro. Whenever we play that song, that means only one thing. Chris, what does it mean? Azzurri talk. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will add, if we, could, if we had to pick one song that we could, if we could only ever play one song on this podcast, that would be the song I would pick. <laughs> That or um, or rumore. No, you just like no, that. Azzurro. Azzurro. Yeah. <laughs> hey, go on. No one likes rumore. Uh, I'm, am I the only one that likes that song? Yeah. Right. So earlier this, uh, excuse me, earlier last week, uh, Mancini released a 38 man squad for upcoming games against Northern Ireland, Bulgaria, and Lithuania. And the first game uh, is, of course, against Northern Ireland on Wednesday. Chris, what's your, what were the main takeaways, or your main takeaways, from that squad list? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go by position, so from back to front. Why, Sidigu, like, don't, don't waste your time. I, yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah. shit on paper. He's shit with the eyeball test. Like, just... Bring in somebody young who can get that experience, who is probably going to be there um, in a couple of years. Anyways, so but, hold on. before we move on, why yeah. like why does he include him? What's the point of that? That's I I, I agree. I agree. It, I get bringing. Is, four there's no money involved, right? There's no money involved. There's nothing like in terms of you don't get a bonus for I don't know doing some shit like mm. getting on the national team. I mean, I think the players get money from the Italian FA if they play, but. Uh, there would be nothing in his like uh, Mancini's not obligated to bring him or, or anybody for that matter. So, yeah, I, I don't know why. I, I, I wish I, I bet. I bet they already have the jerseys made, so they <laughs> trying to save on printing costs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll go which we know, which we know can be in the hundreds <laughs> of thousands. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so we'll, okay, we'll, we'll take we'll take that point. We'll, we'll discuss the goalkeeper. So, I mean, who else is there um, to to bring in? I mean, we'll, we'll start with Julian. Sorry, yeah, go ahead, Julian. Yeah. So, who are the ones? Is it uh, so? It's Cranio, Donnarumma, okay. Moret, and Sidigu. I mean, I'd bring Pitt in. Over Same, here, exactly, exactly what I was thinking. Silvestri was the other name that came to mind. Yeah, I, you sure. could argue like, either. He's or. had a great year. As well. I would take both yeah. of those in a heartbeat over Sidigu. In a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, Especially because uh, we know Sidigu's had like statistically worse in Europe. In Europe. Yeah. <laughs> and he's oh fuck like hey right, but Paula, what about you who do you think uh, I mean if CD was not there who would you those take? are those are uh, good names uh, like the fact that you mentioned Perrine Silvestri I mean at this point uh, even though Benevento has like the worst well not the worst probably Torino's worst but uh, has like a minus twenty four goal difference I'll probably take even take Fonte Pole over Sirigu. <laughs> At this why point, not? why not? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's young, they're all younger than Sirigu, which again, Chris, I, I completely agree. Like, that there's literally no point anymore in, in taking Sirigu, even though he's gonna be the fourth, uh, like, like the fourth keeper in your in your in your depth list. I mean, this is yeah. still doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. he it's he should he should I mean, she be gone at the end of this, uh, uh, 
end of this round of, of international play. Uh, okay, so we covered the uh, goalkeepers, uh, defenders. We'll start with Chris again. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, look, I don't mean to shit on Juve, but Bonucci and Chiellini, I, it's similar no, you know, to Sidigu. You do mean to shit on Juve, but go on. <laughs> it's, honestly, but with them, it's similar to Sidigu. Like, I think they have no business being on the field when the tournament comes around. So why bother bringing them? And I, I know where Mancini is coming from. Like they've been in the squad before. They're part of the old guard, blah, blah, blah. But if they're not going to play an integral role, which they shouldn't be in the tournament, why bring them? Um, that being said, uh, I am happy to see like a player like Gianmarco Ferrari. I feel like sometimes players at smaller clubs get overlooked. So it's good to see uh, him being in there. I would assume if Calabria was healthy, he would be there. Um, I'm not saying he, he, he's a starter right now, but I think he would have been in this 38-man roster. And then I, I just question why Lazzari is listed as a defender. I know he's a wingback with Lazio in that 3-5-2, but I would classify him as more of a midfielder, and that's just semantics. But that's my kind of observation of the defenders list. Okay, so uh, I'm glad you brought up Calabria. Uh, so my next follow-up question would be, who would replace? Because we all know that Calabria probably would have started, correct? I think so, yeah. Because yeah. he started in the last games, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. So, who would you uh, replace Calabria with uh, as a starter? Biragi. Even on right, at right back? I mean, Biragi's mainly a left back, but I, I don't care. Get rid of Biragi and Calabria's in over him. Michael? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so put it this way. I'll, I'll help you out a little bit. Uh, there's Florenzi, there's Di Lorenzo, and there's Lazzi. At right and Spinazzo is there. Oh, at and, right. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys are interchangeable, though. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who would yes. you choose? Who would I choose? Yes. Um, to replace Calabria as starter. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I would probably... Again, I, I'm too... To, not to discredit what Chris said, because I agree with the fact that Bonucci shouldn't be touching this squad. I like the idea of having someone uh, with experience on the team. So I would probably, I mean, in this instance, I would be okay with having Florenzi there. Um, Killini can be on the squad. He's, squad, he's going to be on the bench anyways. But I, I think in that place, like if you're going to, if you're going to swap that, I think Florenzi is an option. Uh, he is playing uh, in a on a team that's still in the Champions League, so there's that. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll touch on that later, uh, Julian. <laughs> I agree. I think Florenzi is the most well-rounded of the three. I think Di Lorenzo and Lazzari are probably better going forwards. Um, but yeah, I just feel like Florenzi is kind of your safe bet there. Now, I would have liked to see Demarco get a call up. I thought he's had a a very good year with uh, Verona. Now I know again, same with him. He's left wing back, um, kind of more offensive. But I don't know. I'm hoping he'll get a call up at some point soon. Okay, so um, to comment on Michael's point, Di Lorenzo has more game more games played, and we'll take Syria, or actually, excuse me, more games played in total than um, Florenzi has more goals scored. And more assists than than Florenzi, in my opinion. In my opinion, is now uh, also because he's playing more consistently. Should be the starter on the national team now that Calabria's out. 
I don't know if, if just volume of games and by consequence goals merits somebody to start over another player. Um, I mean, I'm sure Lazzari, you could, you could make that argument over Florenzi, but Lazzari is not better than Florenzi at right back. So I, I think, yeah, you got to tread carefully, I guess, when you're looking at just who's played more and who's scoring more. Now, yes, you, the player needs to be playing and I'm sure Florenzi wishes he was playing more, but it's not like Florenzi has played in five games this year. Yeah. Yeah, he's played in 18, I think, so far. It's one of the new Which, plays, Paulo. Oh, okay, well, okay <laughs> Michael, relax here. Let's not get uh, testy. Uh, all right, so I anyway, I still think the Lorenzo should be. We'll, we'll see what the starting lineup is on Wednesday. Uh, it'll be interesting. So moving on to another uh, interesting inclusion um, in the squad list for defenders is Rafael Toloi. So he was uh, born in Brazil but became a naturalized Italian citizen. Uh, and again, uh, to Chris's point, talking about Bonucci and Chiellini, I believe he provides um, an extra option to replace uh, those two, you know, use whatever adjective you want to, what you want to use. I'll, I'll leave that up to Michael. Uh, but again, I think he probably could even start at some point uh, because of his play for Atalanta. I would, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Just quickly, uh, I I would be completely fine with him starting over Bonucci and or Kalini. Like, if the Euro started tomorrow and he's in the starting eleven, and Bonucci and Kalini are warming up the bench where they should be, I'm completely okay with that. Michael, uh, yeah, I would welcome 100 percent more Atlanta players in the squad. Like, I I I 100 percent want to see an Italy that is not just uh, reserving to play for uh i guess a one nothing win like i want to see one that's gonna press the game the entire game and i think that just being in an atmosphere like atlanta would i think help the squad immensely julian yeah no i agree um like i don't think he's out of place by any means um and i honestly think it's a good job of the by mancini to give him a call up and kind of give him that First cap, he's done very well this year with Atalanta. So, yeah, I like it. All right, so moving on to midfielders, uh, Chris, who would you pick as your starting midfielder on Wednesday? To be starting midfielders on Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, assuming it's a four-three-three or a version of that. It, I mean, we don't know. Or Julian, you're going to talk about inter players later, but I'm going to assume everybody's available. So, uh, Barella, of course, um, Verratti. Uh, and Locatelli, I guess, would would be my starting three. Yeah, um, I would just add. I don't think Mandragora should be here, but that could be a discussion for a different day. Well, okay, we'll we'll touch on that right now, and then we'll we'll move on to. Um, That's you know, a discussion for today, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that, as I said, I've been overruled. Yeah, I've been overruled. I think that's a replacement for. Well, sorry, he won't directly replace Jorginho, but Jorginho's not included on the list. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think in a way he's a similar type of player where, uh, to Jorginho, where he's able to kind of those long balls and try to pick out passes. Plus, give. Uh, granted, he did score uh, against the, the Swole, so I mean, I think uh, it's probably a reward for. Uh, his fine play in the last, you know, five six games, in my opinion. 
Fair enough. All right, so Michael, starting yeah, mid? yeah, I'm also going Barella, uh, Locatelli, and uh, Verratti. Julian, yeah, I think that's your most obvious um, option. I'd maybe do Lorenzo Pellegrini over Locatelli. Obviously, if Barella's not there, then I'd start him over Barella. Um, but yeah, I think a mix of those four. So I would, of course, I think Barella should be a mainstay. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess, your uh, Chris is right in 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 his you know three picks: Barella, Locatelli, Verratti. Uh, but again, if if I if I was there and I had to choose based on who you know would, would deliver more quality, is I would pick Pacino, who has been playing outstanding this season. Um, Soriano again, as I mentioned in our, in our last segment, and of course Barella. Those, I mean, those are those are my my three midfielders that uh, out of pure bias because I, I I prefer them as players. I think they'll yeah. get a look at some point. Sorry, Mike. I think they'll get a look at some point over these three games, or at least they should. Um, mm. They both played well enough, and I think deserve that opportunity. Yeah, and and for me, I just find that. Uh, Consistently, Verratti never really truly delivers uh, for the national team, and I think like his spot, oddly, is probably for me at least uh, more up for grabs than I think Barella at this point, who's having again just a just probably pretty the most sound season that he's ever had, obviously, right? Yeah. So before we get to Julian for an update on the interplayers, uh, to your point, Michael. I, Barella is the one that actually delivers most for the national team uh, because he's just that type of players that runs and covers uh, the field from uh, from box to box, and it's honestly it's 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 uh, it's very entertaining watching him play. And just to add to that, uh, he is super consistent for the national team, but he does the exact same things for Inter, right? So it's not like he turns mm-hmm. it on for Italy and turns it off for Inter, or vice versa. He he just does it every single game he plays, and so. You know, credit to him for putting in that that work ethic, regardless of who he's playing for. Unlike Grifo, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that next. Uh, Julian, interrupted. Um, yeah, so as we mentioned earlier, the Inter game was postponed. Um, you had D'Ambrosio test positive for COVID on Tuesday. You had Handanovic on Wednesday, and then you had Vecino and De Bruyne on Thursday. Um, so the Milan health authorities stepped in and postponed the Saturday game and originally barred all players from travel. Um, But since Thursday, no players have tested positive. Um, So a few of them have actually been freed up to proceed to travel. Um, I know Brozovic posted a photo earlier. He was already with the Croatian team. Skriniar posted a photo. He was on a plane. I'm going to assume to go fly and meet with the Slovakian team. Um, so I think you will see the interplayers with the Italian team, probably not for the first game, but definitely for the uh, two later ones. Um, and yeah, just also while we're on the topic of the midfielders, I just wanted to mention Matteo Ricci is the first player from Spezia um, since 1936 to be called up to the national team. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and a, 
again, we're we're singing Spezia's praise early on in the show, and I think the Matteo Ricci call up is the culmination of that as well. Um, and also, uh, I know I was on uh, a friend of the show, David Amoyal's uh, podcast, and I, that was one of the players that I kept constantly picking out as you know players to watch uh, for for some of the relegation teams. And I mean, it, it's nice to you know to actually you know see a player that that I've been saying all praising all season to be called up to the Italian national team. So I mean, it, it's uh, uh, it, it's it's great. It's great to see. Um, so let's move on to forwards. Uh, Chris, what, what do you got there? Well, I'll leave the Grifo talk for <laughs> you. But again, uh, not that I want to shit on Juve. I'm kidding. I do. But Bernard Deschi, <laughs> like, just scratch his name off the list. Remove him from the player pool. He has no business being there. His performance slash his highlight video uh, against Benevento is just all the evidence you need. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too much to say after that. I don't know what you guys think. But yeah, Bernadeschi is just a class below everybody else there, inclu- including Grifo. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Actually, Julian, uh, you shared a tweet that made a great point. At least Bernadeschi plays for a top club, regardless of how bad they're doing this season. That's That's beside the point. But yeah, that was yeah. compared to grief. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but then, yeah. but by that, by that logic or that argument, the Ricci shouldn't be there because he's playing for a club like a peasant club, really, in the grand scheme of things, and and he got called up. Yeah, but they're they're playing well, and yeah. and and, and he probably one... won't play. Yeah. That's fair. The one, so the tweet I shared it was actually in response to a Napoli fan saying Politano deserves to be there, and I actually do agree with that. I thought he's been in great form as of the whole Napoli team recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I think he 100% deserves to be there over Goodyfo or Bernadeschi. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, I, like, again, I think we we're talking, at least it was a few episodes ago, saying that we'd rather have Destro, who was scoring uh, in the month of January and February, over Grifo. Yeah. We're all agree on that. <laughs> we know Michael. Yeah, I just want to know. I, I want to understand why. Again, it's the same with the Sirigu pick. Like there has to be some reasoning here, and I, I think the same time. Like I don't doubt that Bernardeschi is a is a. Okay, I don't want to say good player. He's <laughs> he's a good guy. I don't want to doubt that he tries. Like, he's he tries. No, no, but seriously, he in the past for sure he definitely had a little bit more talent I think than he's currently showing um, but I just want to know again what what they see in him to conti- consistently just include him in these things like I I wouldn't have him playing in a Juventus shirt for sure uh, I would probably I wouldn't call him up but I think there has to be some underlying thing here it's it's has to do with either they just need an extra body for some reason, um, or again it has to be something. It, it money money has to be the reason here. I I I, I cannot <laughs> understand it without that being the case. If all if all else fails, money exactly. Yeah. 
Roberto Mancini is a weird coach. He's also the same coach who sold Mateo Kovacic to sign Jeffrey. <laughs> Never forget yes. that. Um, actually, to to the weird coach part, I guess like again, if if a specific system you're thinking of requires a certain type of player, then I can get it too. But is there not a better player than Bernadeschi that you can get? That's just my I mean, issue. Okay. So just to play devil advocate before Chris jumps in again, um, I guess you can argue that he's versatile. Uh, that is Benardeski I'm speaking of. Uh, and you can also argue, I know Chris made this argument as well, that Grifo is the same type of player in the sense that he can play multiple positions. But to that point, Politano also can play on, mm-hmm. you know, different positions on the wing, you know, as a, as a center midfielder, as a second, second striker. So, you know, I guess... It all depends. I mean, that's why they call the uh, the national team coaches uh, commissario technical because uh, they're not actual, you know, day to day managers. They make decisions based on uh, technical skills. Chris, yeah, I'll just say that I, I agree that, uh, and Politano's kind of slipped my mind, but I agree with Julian that he does deserve a spot, and I would again, I would remove Benadeshi from the list first insert Politano and then if you can give me somebody else to replace Grifo okay fine but I would still Morcellini I, but then ugh. in terms of again pure talent sure but like have we seen enough from Orsolini this year Like, and, and Bologna players in general I would say no um, but I would not be surprised if by the end of the season you know Orsolini turns it on and then it's not even a conversation of whether you take Grifo or Solini, but I, I haven't seen enough anyways yet to say Orsolini deserves a spot. And I guess to that, to that point, uh, Skamakas probably hasn't been playing consistently enough to agree deserve an inclusion. Yeah. yeah. And he's young. Yeah. yeah. So are we all in agreement that most likely Immobile will start? Probably, but I also think that, he hasn't been great this season, and I don't know that he, that's such a bang-on decision either. Yeah, I'm almost saying you go with Balotelli, to be honest. Mobile's been in a poor run of form recently, so I think you kind of don't play him to start. I hope so, Caputo gets a start, too. Sorry to jump in. I, I know yeah. I know the debate's usually Mobile Belotti, but I think Caputo deserves a start with with the other starting group. Like, Don't put him in with the bottom mm-hmm. 13, 14 players. Right. Yeah. In the second so, group. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking Chiesa right side, Bellotti down the middle, and Insigne on the left. I mean, you could put Berardi on the right side as well, but... Yeah. No, I think that's probably who your three attackers will end up being, whether or not the two... They should be, like, to that out to, like, Caputo and think he deserves a shot. I think that's... Odds are those would be your three. So I think we covered uh, all the bases for uh, our international break preview. So just a reminder, the three games are uh, Italy versus Northern Ireland uh, in Parma on Wednesday, March 25th. Uh, Italy playing in Bulgaria uh, at Sofia on Sunday, March 28th. And Italy flying to Lithuania to play in Vilnius on Wednesday, March 31st. Okay, so let's move on to uh, the, let's say, the European Cup European Cup competitions. 
to review what happened in the round of 16 uh, Champions League and the round of 16 in the Europa League. Uh, so let's just start. Okay, let's quickly get Champions League out of the way because we all want to talk about Europa League and uh, because that's where the only Italian team is left. <laughs> so uh, very strange decision from Gasparini to start Sport Yellow. And that essentially literally cost Atlanta the game uh, because of the like the horrible giveaway to, to Modric who played in uh, Benzema for the opening goal for Real Madrid. Uh, so and uh, Real Madrid ended up winning three one on during that game and four one on Egrigan. Um, Byron pretty much was on autopilot and beat Lazio two one, and they won six two on aggregate. So essentially, there are no more Italian teams in the Champions League. So we again a good news for us we don't have to cover uh, Champions League anymore. Porto. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Chris, Milan yes. lost. Talk they did. Talk about that. They lost. Bad news. That's bad news. As expected. As expected. Look, um, it was not the strongest eleven, and for you know variety of different reason reasons. Excuse me. Kalulu started right back. I think Kalulu will be a good Serie A player, but um, he's not up to the task yet to play against clubs like Manchester United. Uh, Swahilo Mete has been average at best so far. Um, and then there were there was essentially a crisis at striker. Leal, Ibra, Mandzukic, Rebic were all unavailable. Uh, Ibra was on the bench, but not available to start. So... Um, my least favorite Milan player, Samu Casilejo, at the start in the false nine role. It did not work. Uh, Krunic started as a winger. Again, I've expressed my thoughts on that. I think he's terrible there as a winger. I don't know why Pioli keeps going back there. But, yeah, look, Menu scored, or Pogba uh, scored early in the second half to make it 1-0. And that was the only goal of the game, enough for to see Menu through. So, um, in the big picture, I think it was good for Milan to go out. Uh, and just kind of and let Pioli play his best eleven, you know, um, weekend and week out the rest of the way, and not have to worry about squad depth with this youngest squad in Europe's top five leagues. Again, Michael, that's why I said it was bad news that Milan lost. Uh, okay. <laughs> See. Anyway, so uh, Chris, do you want to comment on the defending from uh, Swahilo Mete and Chelanoglu on that goal? I mean, it's piss, piss poor. <laughs> um, again, I, I said it earlier in the show, Chalanoglu is just average. And then once a month, he comes up with a, a world-class shot or a world-class pass. And everybody thinks he's, you know, a god again. So um, not surprised there. And then Mete, same thing. To be honest, I was excited when Milan brought him in from Torino because I've seen him put in some really strong performances. But he hasn't seemed to settle yet. And I know it often, sometimes it takes players a year to settle in. He unfortunately had, you know, no time. So yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but like I said, in the long run, I think it was for the best with regards to Milan trying to secure a top four spot this year. Okay. So um, I know Pioli was talking about saying that, that he was disappointed that they lost, but they didn't lose because they were beaten by a better team. They lost because of their mistakes. What would you think about that? He's he's not wrong, and I I honestly think if if Milan had more of their players healthy over the two legs, I think there's an opportunity for them to win and, and go through. But 
just from injuries, suspensions, um, you know, you name it. It just it didn't work out, and there were a couple of you know big mistakes that led to goals in both legs, and that that's kind of that sums it up. Uh, there is there are a lot of talented players at Manchester United, and they'll punish you for those mistakes. All right, so um, we'll get a round table on this. Uh, what did you think of uh, Pioli's comments towards uh, Olegan Schulzkar Schulzkar at the end of the game? It was his assistant. No, it was towards it was towards Schulzkar. It was I, I don't know. The reports I read was that it was actually the comments were said to the assistant coach, not uh, Schulzkar. Oh, okay. Well, okay. No, that's a shame. But anyway, it's, <laughs> the point the point's still there. <laughs> What was the? What did he say? Was it a good team, my sister, or like a, a good team, my the, ass? And yeah, like the, that. the the assistant manager said, "Good game, coach." And then he said, uh, "Or no, he, the assistant manager, sorry, said uh, you have a good team." And then Pioli said, "Like good team, my ass," and then a bunch of other expletives and and this and that. Um, I mean, look, he, he's pit, Pioli now. He's pissed off they lost. He's pissed off they're knocked out. Uh, I think he was just kind of triggered by what that manager said, I, I want to believe there was no, you know, intent with what he was saying. I don't, I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's like, but I think it was just, he caught Pioli at the wrong time and he went off on him. (laughs) Michael. Yeah. I think he was just trying to kind of find a a time where he could tell the truth, you know, like it's a shit team, Milan. (laughs) yeah no like i think it's just he's he's caught in the heat of the moment he's frustrated it happens anyway i i I thought it was uh you know important to bring up because again we all enjoy some levity on the show uh you know uh i'm also disappointed like i said um as juventus fan it would have benefit to see uh milan go through more games played, but alas, uh, a shit team like Manchester United steals that thunder away from us, and now we have to watch Manchester United in the quarterfinals in the Europa League, and that team is fucking terrible. But anyway, uh, moving, moving on to uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, Roma. Uh, Roma won uh, 2-1 in the second leg, and they beat uh, Shakhtar Donetsk 5-1 on aggregate. Uh, they are the only Italian team left in Europe, and they play Ajax in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Uh, Chris, you watch uh, multiple uh, European leagues. Uh, what do you think of this uh, matchup? Yeah, I, I've i probably only seen two or three Ajax league matches this year, and those were probably a few months ago, so I don't have a recent kind of... I don't have recent feedback to give. I, I think they will be, it will be a high-scoring tie if I had to guess based on how Ajax play and how Roma defend but uh, to Roma's credit they they are also able to score goals in bunches when they need to so uh, yeah it, it'll be interesting I did last week predict Roma to be in the final so I obviously have to uh, <laughs> predict they beat Ajax here okay so uh, I know we talked about Fonseca's job security uh, early on in the show so if they win, okay, if they win, they get they qualify for the Champions League through winning the Europa League. Does Fonseca stay after that? Like does does, does Fonseca require 
Well, well, okay, we'll go, we'll go, Michael first. But what does Fonseca require a win in the Europa League to stay, Michael? Yeah, I mean, if he has a shot to stay, but I think if they win, I still think that they go with another coach. I think they would much rather have someone who, again, can bring it uh, in both the league and the and European uh, like soccer. I think like it, it it's for. Italian teams, especially we saw this with Juventus, right, over the years when they were um, creating that just, like, I guess, the nine years of dominance, right? It was so important to them to win both because, again, the money that they get from uh, – the prize money that they get from winning both the league and or winning games in the league, at least getting a good position in the league and going further in the Champions League, like, that's – it's a big – it makes a big difference uh, in terms of what you can do with your squad the next year, right? So that's where probably, again, not to talk about Juventus again, but that's probably why losing out last year caused more or less what's happening this year again and and not being able to invest in the squad more outside of the pandemic as well. But that's the same thing again. If Roma are going to do that, they're going to, if they make it Champions League, like that's, that's a huge step for forward for them. And I think they need to take that step forward with another manager. Julian. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, I think it's a long shot for them to win the Europa League. Um, but on the off chance they do, I don't know if it'll be enough to save Fonseca. I think he's kind of created one too many disagreements already with the squad. I don't think he'll be there next year. Chris? I, I think similar to what Mike was saying earlier in the show with winning masking problems, I think if Roma win the Europa League, Fonseca stays. And mainly because, again, tying, tying it in to what Mike said earlier, the win will mask, it will pull the sheets over all the other problems they had, and they're going to say, well, we won this trophy, and we're in Europa League, and we have X amount of millions of euros coming in now because of it. Fonseca, you can stay. But I do agree with Julian and Mike that they should look elsewhere, but I I just have this gut feeling that the win will uh, extend him by another year or two um, because sometimes trophies kind of make people go pazzo pazzo and we'll see what happens. All right, so uh, I just wanted to tie it up. Um, I've had a loose ends from early on in the show. And you all mentioned Sari would be the best fit for Roma, correct? All three of you, yeah. yeah. So I personally think Allegri is the coach uh, to bring uh, Roma to the next step, as Michael was saying. Um, because from what I'm reading, it is now a mentality problem. It's not a question of tactics. So Sari is, is a coach that you bring in if you want to improve your style of play. I think Roma, what Roma needs now is they need a coach to kick him in the ass. I think, and I think Allegri is that coach uh, to, to, br- to, to bring and breed uh, a winning mentality. Uh, I, I think he's done that uh, at Milan. He did that at Milan. He won a Scudetto at Milan, uh, even though, again, with an, with an aging team as well. And then he, he did that uh, at Juventus for you know, five years straight. So personally, I think Allegri should be the coach that takes over at at, uh, at Roma, and he was on um, he was on Sky Italia, and he did mention that uh, you know a team 
being in the champion Champions League is not necessarily a necessity for him to take over that team. So make of it what you will. I still that that still helps Roma's odds at the end of the season to to bring him in. Thoughts? Uh, we'll go. We'll start with Chris. You make good points. I I just don't know if Roma and I I like Roma. I want Roma to do well. I don't know if Roma is like that is a club that's like sexy enough for Allegri right now. I feel like he's holding out for that big time, big spending club. That's just the the feeling I get. Um, So yeah, I think that's why I would lean towards Sadi again. Is that I think it's just a more practical selection at this time. Michael. He agrees. He he agrees with me. Okay, we lost Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I don't see Allegri at Roma. I really don't. I think it is more suited to Saudi, especially um, just with like the players they have. I don't know. They seem to be. Doesn't really seem like it'll be. uh, I'm back, baby. Uh, Michael, are you back? (laughs) I was talking, and then Paul just said something over me and so I said okay for sure you guys can't hear me <laughs> um sorry so for yeah. Allegri uh it was at the question whether or not this is the he would be the right manager I, we already talked about that yeah well I know I said like so okay sure okay I don't know if we already talked about that but would you agree that Allegri would be the the right manager to bring a winning mentality <laughs> I I just think that it's yeah. I mean, if we're talking purely mentality, I understand what you're saying, and I I agree with that. I just don't know that that squad is talented enough to benefit from just a change in mentality. Like you need to be. I think Allegri is a is a killer coach who can come in and transform uh, a good team to a great team. I think. I, yeah, I just think Sadi probably would be the one to maybe lay a little bit more foundation, then I then I consider bringing in Allegri if that's the case. I don't know. I, I, I would tend to disagree with you because I think the uh, the results in the Europa League show that the Roma team has um, offensive talent. And to me, is where they're, they're, they struggle in the league against the bigger clubs, in like the top seven clubs that we already mentioned that they are winless so far this season. And I think that, that the mentality is that step forward can push them to gate to gain results against teams in the top seven. And, you know, that could uh, propel them to perennial top four finishers, uh, finishers, I should say. So, and, and uh, what's coming out from the, from the Roman press is, you know, there's now disagreements uh, between players and between, excuse me, I should say between players and manager, uh, and I think that's what's leading to to the collapses against the top seven teams. Uh, thoughts? Uh, we'll go, Chris, Michael, Julian. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we could go back and forth all day on you know whether it's mentality or players or both. Um... Like I said, I think if Roma win Europa League, Fonseca stays, and all of those programs, all of those problems, sorry, just kind of get pushed to the back, and maybe they never get addressed. Uh, who knows? But 
what I will say is, and I'll, this is stuff I mentioned, you know, and you know, before the season kicked off, is that Roma didn't seem to have a a plan with their transfers. It just kind of it, it seems to me, anyways, like a random bunch of players that come come in each transfer window. So whether it is Sadi, Allegri, Fonseca, or somebody completely off the radar, there needs to be a plan in place so that the manager knows what's coming in and what's going out and, and so on and so forth. Um, so to, to that point, Chris, uh, they finally brought in, you know, uh, a, a, we'll call it a sporting director. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And at the beginning of the season, they didn't have one. So that's why it was all, you know, uh, you know, short term signings, but yes. Yeah. It, it's a step in the right direction. But what I will add is that there are a lot of clubs out there with, you know, a decent manager and a sporting director, and they still make a mess in the transfer window. So it's no guarantee that mm. bringing this trans, uh, sporting director in is going to fix their transfer problems. Right. Uh, so what's the question Michael exactly? Dillon. So a question exactly is mentality, okay, not talent. I think Roma has a decently talented squad uh, as as what the Europa League results are showing so far, uh, is the next step. My, I don't know. I, I just think again, talent wise, where where do you have that? Like, where where do you see the talent on on the team? I see Zeko probably, um, but he's getting older for sure, and I I don't know how much you're going to build around. Or are you going to hire a coach around him? Uh, but what else? Like. Pellegrini, I guess. Yeah, like Pellegrini. Okay, probably. Pellegrini. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, if they can keep Mayoral. Yeah. Depends on Real Madrid, of course. Uh, Carlos Perez. I mean, El Shaari's back there. Vertu is Vertu's actually. having a, Vertu. a good season, but I don't exactly, I, I yeah. think this might be a flash. In the, it might be a flash yeah. in the pan, but um, he, he's again, a I decent just, player. I overall. don't see those guys as being players that I mean I'm not saying Allegri couldn't coach these guys like of course he could but I just don't see them being the caliber players that he needs to be there to take you know to he needs to be the one to usher in some form for them to take the next step like I feel like that's still the job of someone else and if there's another step beyond that that they need someone who can who can just draw consistency from that then you talk about Allegri, but I just don't see him being that guy. That's it. Okay. Interesting point of view. Uh, Julian. Yeah, I honestly, I don't think the mentality right now is still the question. We listed off all those guys. Yeah. I don't. If you look on paper, their squad still doesn't match up to Inter, to Juve, to Milan. Hell, even to Lazio, like Atalanta, like they're still behind all those squads, in my opinion. I still exactly, think they and I think again, not to say that these players aren't talented, they like they they definitely have a good a good core, but they don't have a full squad of like, uh, for example, of prima donnas that need to be you know brought into uh, reigns by uh, a ruthless manager who's just going to make sure that they're getting one nothing wins. Like they're not at that point, in my opinion. Uh, I beg to differ, but uh, I will say that for another episode. Okay, so that wraps up our uh, discussion uh, for Europe. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that debate on Fonseca. Uh, So let's uh, move on to our 
who am I? I don't know, Michael. Uh, who am I? I don't know. Oh, it's very low. I don't know. <laughs> who am I? There you go. Perfect. I don't know. There we go. There you hey. go. All right. Hint number one. This player previously played oh, so. for Cagliari. <laughs> All right. Nice and easy. <laughs> Ibarbo. <laughs> Hint number two. He has won a league title in three different leagues, none of which were in a top five league. All right. Hint number three. This player was involved with his national team side for a decade and won one major tournament. All right. So hint number one. This player previously played for Cagliari. Hint number two. He has won a league title in three different leagues none of which were in the top five. And just for everyone listening, top five being um, Italy, Germany, Spain, England, and France. And then hint number three, this player was involved with his national team side for a decade and won one major tournament. Right, hold on. Did you say that he played for Cagliari or? He previously played for Cagliari. So I, so I can confirm he is not currently on Cagliari. I will okay. give you half of a bonus hint there. Okay. And, and again, uh, reminder, listeners, they do have the option to ask me a question, <laughs> which I may refuse to answer, or, or they can ask for <laughs> a bonus hint. Yeah. This is top five. A Greek player? Thank yeah. you, I need a bonus hint. I'm leaning towards a Greek yeah, player. If, I guess, the, what, 04? Yeah. Is when they would have won. Um, yeah, I was thinking Portugal yeah. again. What are the Portugal, options? Portugal, Spain, uh, Germany. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Bruno Alves. Bruno Alves. Gagliari. Pretty sure he's played for Cagliari, and I'm pretty sure he was on Portugal okay. when they won. What? What if it's Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> <laughs> Cagliari legend. Hmm. Let's uh, let's get the fourth. It's going to be sometimes we good in. bonus hint. Yeah. So the bonus hint for this week is Benevento <laughs> beat Juventus one nil. That is your bonus <laughs> hint. Va Vanculo Juventus. Proceed. <laughs> we walked right into it. Not at all. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been waiting for that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I like it. Is that seriously the bonus thing? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'll show you. I'll send you a picture when we're done here. Bonus. Benevento beat Ruben this one now. Okay, so then uh, we have no choice but to say Bruno. I'll do it. <laughs> Okay, what, what, say, say oh, the, the national hint. team one again. Yeah. The, the hints again? Ah, go all three, sure. Or, you want all three or just the national team one? Okay, so all three. Hint number one, this player previously played for Cagliari. Hint number two, he has won a league title in three different leagues. A league title. None of which were in the top five leagues. And then hint number three, he's been involved with his national team side for a decade. And okay, won, but he currently does play in tournament. City A. Like, this is the whole point, right? 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so for me, it's it's the major major title with his national team. But I don't think Bruno Alves. There's no way he won three. Where was he before outside of the top five? Uh, I guess Portuguese. Yeah, Portuguese would count. Yeah, I was thinking Portugal, but again, I'm not sure who else would be on top of that. Hmm. Are you locked in? So I, I yeah, can't think of anything else. Yeah, same. yeah, I, I, yeah. Chris, we're gonna we're gonna lock it in. You're locking it in, all right. I yeah, I'm unsuccessful once again. You guys are yeah. successful. <laughs> Eat it. Follow Eat pull. It. I feel like I every week no one of you pulls it out of your But yeah, so. Obviously, he's previously played for Cagliari. The three uh, league titles he has, so Porto is one of them, uh, Fenerbahce in Turkey, and with Zenit in Russia. So he's been, he's been around the moon and back. And then, uh, obviously, he won the Euro 2016. Yeah, 2016 with yeah. Portugal. And then the bonus hint is uh, self <laughs> I can't believe they, that Benevento beat Juve. Good work, Paulo. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that two weeks in a row Uh, that I guessed this correctly? What was last Uh, week? I was on a roll. I was on a roll. Yeah, Julian was gone. Yeah, I think, Paulo, you did. It was not me. Yeah, remember I said something and you were like, oh, is it this person? I I think it was D'Ambrosio. No, 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 no. No, it was was something with, I said, oh, it's a very good question. I was Rogani and then it was, it was, yeah. Oh, Tonelli. Uh, oh, was it Tonelli? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, Tonelli. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Tonelli. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, Tonelli. Yeah. 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 Perfect. <laughs> All right, well, next week's going to be even harder then. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Grifo. <laughs> All right, so uh, after that funny game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he doesn't play in Serie A. Future City Astar. Yet. Yeah. All right, so. Future <laughs> Parma player in Serie B. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so after all that fun and games, I was, I was very, very, very fun, uh, Chris. Thank you very much. My pleasure. All right, so uh, Sergey B minutes to just to wrap it up. Um, fans of the show will be interesting to know that Alessandro Nesta was sacked as manager of Frosinone, and Chris, uh, you'll you'll enjoy this. Uh, Ventura. <laughs> oh my place. god. <laughs> he should have been banished. Oh god. All right, so the reason why he was sacked is because Frosinone is six six points from the last playoff spot, and also they made the playoff final last season. So uh, just results from uh, the previous round: uh, Venezia beat, yeah, Venezia beat uh, Pescara. Uh, no, excuse me, Vincenza beat Pescara one nothing. Uh, Empoli beat Entella one nothing. Uh, Frosinone lost three nothing to Lecce, which is again. Culminates to why Nesta was sacked. Monza lost four-one to Venezia. So uh, games next round, which will be in a couple weeks. Uh, Pescara played Pisa. Uh, Cremonese host Empoli. Lecce host Salernitana, and Antella host Monza. So a quick update of the Serie B table. Empoli hold a seven-point lead over Lecce uh, with fifty-nine points. Lecce at fifty-two. 
Uh, Salernitana, 51. Monza, 50. Venezia, 49. Cittadella, 45. Spal, 45. Chievo, 44. Uh, Cosenza is in 16th position uh, at 29 points. Reggiana, 29 points. Ascoli, 28 points. Pescara, 23 points. And Entella at 21. All right, uh, uh, we'll, uh, I'll take a page from your book. Uh, that you Juve lost to Benevento. Julian? <laughs> 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 oh, what did I learn this week? Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess the hey. Juve lost to Benevento. And Chris, you, you, you can't say it because you already said it twice. I mean, I did learn that. It's, but I will add that, again, right. I need to make the who am I hints more difficult. But also, sorry, the third thing that I learned is that Ru, uh, Rubentis lost to Benevento. Sorry. Paulo, yeah. what about you? <laughs> uh, what about me? That uh, do a better job building... Hey, hey, that wraps up uh, the show for this week. I hope you all enjoyed listening and we'll be back uh, next week with uh, hopefully more content because uh, we're on the international break and uh, this is where we can really shine. Uh, Yeah. I also have something that maybe we should talk about just before you wrap up Uh, the giveaway. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yes, go, go ahead. Okay, well, so um, the weekend on Sunday to celebrate Milan's um, you know, fraudulent <laughs> win against Fiorentina, yes. uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris decided to uh, donate um, a third zip-top sweater, a uh, Milan sweater, adult size, brand new in bag, adult size M, brand new in bag, uh, to give away. Uh, so if you go on Twitter, it's our uh, pinned tweet, which I'll leave it there for the rest of the week. Uh, you have to uh, retweet, like, and follow to have a chance to win. And maybe we'll see. Maybe maybe there's in, in the works for another giveaway next ah. week that coincide with your international break. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. So for those who uh, listen to the end, there's your hint. Um, so, uh, good luck to the winner. We'll be announcing it after the Italy game on Sunday. Uh, so, good luck to those who participate. Uh, I believe that's it. So, I think without further ado, I think I can I can wrap it up. Anything? Yep. See. Okay. So, uh, again, uh, until next week, I hope you all enjoy uh, the two Italy games this week. And we'll be back again uh, next week. Ciao.